Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Our topic today is of intense interest to me personally. In the mid to late 60s, I lived in Beirut, Lebanon, took my first year of college there. To say I love that country and its people would be a gross understatement. Both are in my heart forever. So when a portion of that city vanished in a white-clouded blast recently, my heart felt the impact, and for days I found myself close to tears. I have friends there. I have memories there. Lebanon seems to be the victim of so much tragedy. Here to talk about that country is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what's on your heart today? Well, what's on my heart is a follow-up to what has shocked the whole world, where a massive ammonium nitrate explosion in Beirut, as much as uh, nearly 3,000 tons, about 2,750 tons, went up not in smoke. It started with a fire, but then it ignited and, and blew out a huge part of the, uh, the old city, part of the port district. An amazingly small amount of people were directly killed. I think it was only 100 and some, but hundreds of thousands are rendered homeless, a big part of the city rendered dysfunctional. And given that there is an underlying dysfunction to Beirut, which I'm sure you'll, you'll yeah, share, yeah. So it could well be an unfortunate spark that sends Beirut into another cycle of violence. And always in Beirut, the violence has a distinctly religious tinge. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, just as an aside, when you look at the aerial pictures of that hole in the ocean, where that warehouse used to be. I double-checked some pictures of our arriving in Beirut, and we arrived at that very same spot. Oh, right there, right there on that. So that where I, where I set foot on Beirut for the first time is now a hole in the ocean. It's basically right there. And you're so right. When you live in a town that is so divided between Muslim and Christian, and you interact with the people, there's always this uneasy tension that... Not everyone thinks as I think. Not everyone does as I do. And there is an overarching mistrust of the motives of the people. That said, I'll have to say that the people there are loving and kind, Christian and Muslim alike. They treated us like neighbors, like friends, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with their hearts. There was something very wrong with their attitudes and ways of thinking. I'm sure... You've read, Charles, and, and hopefully our listeners have read. If not, go to the libertymagazine.org site and read the articles. We've had at least two yes. relatively recent articles on Lebanon. Yes. One in November of 19, for me, not long ago, for the way I prepare articles. Yes. Pandora's cedar chest, mm -hmm. an allusion to the cedars of Lebanon, yes. <laughs> talking about the underlying religious mix and dynamics often uh, violent in, in Lebanon. And then very recently in our May-June issue, The Fire of Faith, which was a little broader than, than Lebanon, but since the author, Eli Mikhail uh, Nazarala, is from Lebanon, of course he majored in discussing again his country, which he, I know, in fact, he emailed me the other day and he says, uh, 
talk about incredible timing. He says, you know, this article just came out and now this explosion. So he's quite ecstatic that we got the word in and the discussion about Beirut and, and the fire of faith. It was a fire that led to the explosion. Yes. Yes. But in, in Beirut, the fire really is religious intolerance, not religious enthusiasm, which is a good fire. Yeah. The New Testament uses the figure of tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit empowering God's followers, Jesus' followers. But I think in Lebanon, it's, it's a bit dysfunctional. And you mentioned the conflict often, the, the yeah. hatred between Christian and Muslim, but yeah. it's way more complicated than that, isn't it? Yes, it is. It certainly is. It, it goes Shiite, back a long time. But there's Shiite against Sunni, yeah. and of course then minorities like the Ahmadiyya are also persecuted and regularly killed within Islam. I don't know that there's an Ahmadiyya problem per se in, in Beirut, but among the Christians, Oh, there's the Maronite Christians, there's the Catholic Christians, there's the uh, old-style Eastern Orthodox there, and they're at each other's throats. No less antagonism between the elements of Christianity there than between Islam and Christianity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you see it everywhere. It is is evident everywhere. Not necessarily open animosity, but just sort of... uh, yeah, let's let's just try to stay in our own lane here and don't you dare come into my lane kind of thing. Well, I think I shared the story once on a beach in Bermuda. I met a family from Beirut and uh, they'd left and the father told me that when he put his children on the bus in the morning, they were apprehensive because they were Christians mm-hmm. and uh, the names that reflected their Christian identity. And when they would get on the bus... The, uh, the bus driver would ask their name, and he said along the way, if, if they gave out their name in the wrong area, that could be distinctly dangerous even yeah. for the child. Yeah. And this is what Ellie brings out in his articles, how religious identity, not just in Beirut, but Beirut has got it as bad as anywhere. Yeah. In that part of the world, religious identity is not just an affiliation. It is you. It defines you, your community, all the loyalties, all the history that goes with it. And you can be a stand-in if you go in the wrong time and place. You could be a stand-in for all the pent-up antagonisms of a whole community. That's right. That's right. And I understand that because I was a stand-in for the United States, and there were people there who did not appreciate that country, and sometimes I would be yelled at and attacked and guns pointed at me. But, you know, the the strange thing about it is... I didn't mind being a stand-in for my country, and if I had to die for it, that'd be fine too. But I wasn't there to be that. I was there to be a stand-in for Jesus Christ. And it made all the difference because when I looked at the people who were angry at me or who were yelling at me or who were saying bad things about my country, for some strange reason, I just loved them. I could not stop loving them because I knew that I was representing someone who loved them immensely and had died for them, no matter what their background, no matter what their church affiliation was, no matter what their social history was, I was there as a stand-in for the God who loves them, and I was going to love them no matter what. Well, that's great. You've mentioned this before, but it is wonderful. You have such great memories of Beirut. And I haven't been there. I've been in that part of the world. But uh, I I know when I was growing up, Beirut, before its civil war in the 60s and 70s, before the civil war, had a wonderful oh, reputation as sort of a uh, an urbane, diverse, exciting world city where everything was, was humming and buzzing and all of these religions were operating. Yeah. So it, it's not that it's always been as dysfunctional as, as it is now. 
It's, it's had moments. It's like waves, waves on the ocean. Sometimes it's very calm. Sometimes the waves are breaking. And I remember just living there and sitting on the front deck of our house, listening to the distant call to prayer as I was getting ready to go to church. And I could see down in Beirut, I could see the Muslim mosques and I could see the church steeples. And I knew that people were moving around and going about their religion without without problem at that time. And it was so peaceful to be in Beirut. How many people can say to you, oh, I love Beirut because it's so peaceful? And what you're describing, I get that same feeling all over Europe. Yes. It's yes, really the old yes. cities and the and the accretion of history, in particular with the different churches and so on. And, and to be in Italy when the bells start tolling, yeah. it's magic. And I haven't yet seen anything physically like that in the new world. No, not in the U.S., not in Canada. No. One exception in Canada and not in Australia. Quebec City just is the tip of the iceberg of that sort of thing, the old city in Quebec. But I don't know how we're going to get there. And maybe, well, I hope not. But, you know, one of the ways Europe has got there is a lot of wars yeah, and a lot of that's conflict. True, that's true. That's and, true. And the, the ruins are peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was noticing something as I watched the uh, relief organizations going in and helping Things like the Adventist Development Relief Agency, ADRA, is in there doing stuff. And other Doctors Without Borders and, and UNICEF and all that. They're in Beirut helping. And, you know, when they have their arms full of groceries or water or they're sweeping the sidewalk of all that glass, and thank God for safety glass, when they're sweeping all that stuff up, they're not asking, hey, are you a Muslim? Are you a Christian? Are you a Drew? Are you, or what's your religion? I'm not going to help you unless you tell me. They're not doing that right now because everyone was affected by this and everyone is helping every other person. And maybe that's what it takes in this country, Lincoln, for this country to get to the place where everybody is affected. Can you say COVID-19? Can that possibly be an open door to have that kind of response where we love enough, we love people enough that it doesn't matter who they are, we're going to love them and help them anyway? Let's hope so. Yeah. You can get illustrations from history to be positive or yeah. to be very yeah. negative about yeah. what might happen. Yeah. But there's no question that a stressful situation in society brings out the best and the worst. Yeah. If there are good people, they can steer it in the right direction. Just a comment, and it's really the reason that I uh, wanted to talk about this explosion. I can remember in 1983, a bombing in Beirut, I think 250 yes. Yes. or so, 240 to 50 Marines were killed, and the U.S. actually left in shock. Yeah. It was under President Reagan. So that was the last big explosion that the U.S. noticed in Beirut. But this, this new one, and we hope there's not some nefarious hand in it. I mean, the president... I think without any information said that it was a bombing or something, but there's no evidence beyond a long and tortuous story of uh, cargo that didn't have permission and a ship that was impounded. And, yeah. and then the government fought over this for, I think, about 10, 15 years. That's right. That's so it's right. been sitting in a warehouse. But that could have been known by someone and they may have blown it up. But at the moment, it just looks like a sporadic fire that turned very deadly. And I don't have all the information, but reading about it, I discovered there's been about five or six of these catastrophic explosions around the world where ammonia nitrate has been stored, yeah. as well as some very calculated events like uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, City same so. uh, chemical. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to pray for uh, well, Beirut, right? Absolutely. And, and religion is important there, and we need to pray that faith and religion is kept out of the 
dangerous politics that's often violent and that religion can be a healing force, as it should be in any society. As it should be. You said that exactly right, because if you look at the, especially the Christian religion, and I'm sure other religions are the same, but the Christian religion is all about healing, the true Christian religion, the way Christ portrayed it and wants us to follow it. It is about healing, it's about acceptance, it's about love, and that's what we need to do. Am I right, Lincoln? Absolutely. All right. And so, homework is to go read the Gospels again. <laughs> amen, amen. I recommend that strongly. And when you're not doing that, stop by libertymagazine.org. There's articles for you to read. Lincoln's blogs are there. There's radio programs to listen to and television programs to watch. Lots of good stuff there at libertymagazine.org. Lincoln, thank you so much for sharing your heart today. And thank you for talking about a city and a, and a country that I love. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>